Hello, everybody, and welcome again to another episode of A Journey Through Time and Stuff. My name is Aaron. Today, you can call me uh, Old 20K Aaron. Maybe you could call me uh, Four Cups of Coffee, or you could call me uh, Has Drums Back in the House. Whatever you want to call me today, you can call me that. I'm glad you guys are with me. Um, today's a really cool episode. A long time ago, way back in the, ep- the days of this podcast, um, <clears throat> I had a man come on my podcast by the name of Matt Dorado, unknowing to me that one day we would be uh, intrinsically tied together in a band. Uh, we had a nice conversation, but once I joined to Earth Ashes in 2018, 2019, whatever year that was, um, you know, we, we, we developed us a family. And the other, the third, the other leg of the tripod of this band is our drummer, Mark Rainey. And it, uh, it has been an absolute pleasure getting to know him, uh, building, uh, the, building the kind of connectivity that a rhythm section needs to have. You have to think a lot alike. You have to kind of listen to music the same way and, and, and be able to be the foundation of uh, a, a three-piece band. And it's been a pleasure getting to know him. And after long ado and COVID and everything that's happened, uh, we made... It work and he's on the podcast. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you very much. <laughs> Pleasure to be here. Oh, we got drums back in the house, man. We do. That is so exciting. Um, seeing, um, I have a couple kids at home, and they're seeing them sitting there. That's now my office because I'm able to work from home. Sitting there for. Huh? Well, we got out in September and played a show, and then they've yeah. been retired since then, and it's just. Uh, um, a great feeling to look forward to, you know, writing new music and, and uh, getting out and playing live again. Yeah, that so. that that September show almost doesn't feel real. Like it, it's it is it was just this blip. We we had you know seven or eight practices working up to it. Got our set tight, played a show, and then it was like, well, six more months go by. Right, right. Um, it felt like just a live practice with with an audience. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, you know. Um, yeah. So um, usually we have a lot of shows lined up in a row, so we, we get to warm up and um, perfect our craft as you as you will play in life. Well, well but, um, you know, I mean, starting right there, the the run of shows and the build up to recording all of these songs. I mean, we were tight. That when we went into the studio, we we'd gone up, we played Idaho a couple times. We we were just playing all over the place, man. And uh, we had our sets. I mean, we were we just had all those songs down tight, man. And uh, I'm excited to try and get to a, a level like that again. You know, um, thinking about that, obviously for months on, uh, for the last several months, um, I don't think it's going to take us that long. I don't. Either. I think an hour into it, you know, this next practice, it's going to go. Huh? It's like riding a bike. We're yeah. right back where we were. <clears throat> the the excitement will be there, I think, because we haven't played, you know, the newer songs in quite a while. Right. Yeah, we have we have all the new, you know, the five new songs, basically four, five new songs that. Uh, we're putting out and and i'm excited because obviously we also we've already talked about writing new music as well and so it's it's interesting to see how much of the old catalog will stay around as we have four or five new songs that we're going to be wanting to implement into sets um and then any new things that we're our minds are working on i'm just excited i'm I'm curious to see kind of how you know obviously we have some of the classics of the second album that we're going to drag with us and that I don't think will ever ever leave, but I'm curious to see how we kind of musically evolve as a representation of what we put play. You know? Yeah, I think that that um, 
that each record, um, obviously the first one with, um, I was the new guy. Yeah. Yeah. You came in. Yeah. And they already had, you know, Matt and Angela already had this stuff planned out and I was, huh, what's the concept here? It was a whole concept album. And so, um, I had a lot of work to do to get that down. And I think we're satisfied with our performance. And the second one, we kind of went a little different direction. Yeah. Um, which I was really happy to do. And we rehearsed the hell out of it. That's always been our um, kind of mantra. We're going to rehearse the hell out of that shit. So when we get in the studio, we know what we want to do. Exactly. But then you can tweak stuff as you hear stuff as you're listening to it. And, well, let's add a guitar here, whatnot, percussions. And then when you came in, it kind of just flowed right off the bat, I think. That well, we, you and I connected. We yeah. all had, um, we all listened to the same thing, but a little bit different stuff too. So there's diversity there that really right. works. And we, you know, with the beating three piece, it's easier to talk. You know, and communicate with each other, yeah. which is, um, I think, the biggest thing about a band is chemistry in the band. And that can either be great for the band or there's no chemistry. And then the band just, you know, writes a couple, you know, songs and then falls apart. Yeah. I don't see that with us. And I, I'm really excited to see where this next one, oh man, where it's going to go. Yeah. We've got, I think we've got a lot of material in our heads and stuff that's happened politically and um, emotionally, emotionally yeah, and yeah, socially and yeah. everything that we've been through separately. And together and not seeing friends for a very long time, yeah, family no members, people that aren't around anymore. Yeah. You know, that's um, incredibly sad. So, um, yeah, I think all but, of our families lost people over right, those last two years, man. Right. Everybody's been, been a lot of surprises. Oh, you know, yeah. Like, what? You know, um, so, um, yeah, I'm really excited to see where we're going to go musically. And I know there's a couple of ideas that, you know, Matt's been putting down and that we've been listening to. I'm looking forward to see what we do with them. Yeah, you know? yeah, because they've they've been they've been guitar they've been quick recordings from an iPhone or just a quick thing you put on a computer that we've been you know those little pieces have been beating around in our heads for a year and a half and we've never sat down and go okay what does it actually feel like you know in a right. room I mean because you know maybe you know he's got three or four ideas and in the song there's a you know whatever he's maybe thinking of verses and a chorus. They might not work together. Yeah. So we might take a part from that and put it into another song. So that's that's the hard work that I guess, you know, uh, every band goes through mm -hmm. is like getting that down and the reward is going out and playing. It. Well, well, it is. And and I think that even just the show in September, that kind of was the fruit of our labor because, we, you know, w when I came in, like you, you, you said it perfectly, you guys practiced very methodically to be able to go into the studio with the stuff you practice and not be wondering what your song sounds like. And, you know, I, I, before I joined the band, I was always somebody who would sit and just make sure all my parts were meticulous and just, you know, really get them down. And so it was easy for me to come into the, you guys and go, Oh, they, they like to practice. Like I like to practice songs. I want, I want us to be able to, it's a concert in our practice room. Like we know how the songs go. There's no question on there. There's no ambiguity on if it's going to be a little more jammy or not. You know, we we're concrete with. with yeah. Our I practice. mean, I think it needs to get to the point where, um, at least for me that I'm confident what I'm doing yeah. when I get there. And I'm not, I don't want to think when I play, I just want to play, yes. you know, I don't want to be fluid and, and go with, with the emotion in the room and, and the feeling of it. And sometimes, you know, you write a song and you go out and play it live. You might figure something out while you're playing it live. Oh, we should have, we should do this. Then before we, we record it, we yeah. do that. Right. Um, I think on this, the new stuff, um, that, um, you know, our, our latest, finally, you know, we have a, a video and a, a <laughs> yeah. song out there called, I know, some of the reaction because that doesn't sound like earth to ashes. I no. take that as a great compliment. Yeah. Like, yeah, 
we put a lot of time and effort to it and we had quite a few delays we wanted stuff done a lot sooner and covid just didn't work out with the engineering thing and that's fine we're very at least i am very proud of the sound we got oh and, man and and i can't wait for everybody to hear the rest of the stuff we have well that's what that's what i was trying to like it felt really good to like you know I joined and everything was just kind of like boom, 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 boom. And, you know, within a year and a half from me joining the band, we had played all those shows. We had written five new songs and we were in the studio recording and, you know, with tight, good songs. And then it was another year and a half, two years, almost two years to the day from when we were in the studio recording those to when we first played one of those songs live in front of somebody. And it, you know, that was kind of like a cool resolution moment for me going, it's everything up until that point had been in interior in the band and we had showed other people some of the music and, you know, things like that, but it wasn't, it wasn't that live experience. I didn't get to see people react to a song that we wrote. And so that was like a cool stamp for me. And having that now makes me go, it, it almost like that music's done now. You know, it never quite felt done to me, even though we had masters back and we were building videos for them. None of it felt done until we played it live. Yeah. And then, and then it, I, I was finally able to go, okay, I actually feel good about this song now to the point where I can let it go in my brain and work on new stuff completely. Not wondering, oh, is there still something left to do with this? You know, it was, it was, it was taking up bandwidth in my brain all the time. That those songs weren't done yet, you know? Yeah, I, um, my perspective is we still have a couple to finish, and I want to get those yeah. done. Yeah. So it's, okay, this this project's done for now, you know, and then we can go out and play it live. Right. Then here's the new, here's the next chapter of um, our musical journey, yeah. um, so to speak. So, um, and uh, that er- all of us, put into the writing process of ideas and stuff. It's not just here it is. And, and, and it's, you know, it's not a methodic, it's methodical practicing, but it's, we take our time to think about stuff and like, yeah. well, this sounds like something we've maybe done before or something. What can we do to make it more interesting to right. us, especially because right. um, I don't think our approach is like, well, do we think the fans will like it? We don't approach it that way. No. Much do we like it? Yep. And we hope people like it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I I think you can hear, you know, I try to be objective with it. I think you can hear in the songs we wrote, um, our, you can hear our love for the music in the music when, if you, you know, and I think that that is what is appealing to fans, honestly, in the end, is that the music translates the love for the music that the band had. You know, a lot of music can be written and it's perfect and it's quant and it doesn't translate the emotion of the band it doesn't it doesn't come across through the music that way it just feels like an algorithm and you know something i really love is that we did it live you know we recorded that music live and so it has the ebb and flow and you're hearing us working together as a group going through the song together versus just punching in verses and choruses and never playing together you know it's yeah i think um what comes through when we play live is that we love what we're doing when we are playing live because we put all that work in that no one sees, you know, the, mm-hmm. the many hours and sweat of rehearsing the stuff. And we get out and we get in front of an audience and we've, you know, built a fan base, you know, a few people at a time. You know, we play in Seattle, get up, a, you know, more people, hey, you know, and they follow us somewhere. So in Idaho, when we played that festival, 
and yeah. we were on like at 8.30 <clears> at night, and there was all these other bands. And then we came on, there was already a buzz because we played there one time before, a couple months right. before that. And there was already kind of a buzz there. And I remember people kind of, you know, oh, they're paying attention. Yeah. Or they were walking behind the stage and, and, and watching us from behind, which I felt, that's weird. You know, I'm not used to people <laughs> walking behind me, you know. Um, right. But I feel it's just, you, you're, it's that slow process of, yeah. you know, you're not getting a bunch of, a massive amount. You're just getting a couple people here and that the word of mouth helps, you know, um, build our fan base and um we do what we do and yeah. we and, and then you know we're off and, and and we're supporting all the other bands we're playing with and everybody else that you know is in the same boat we are and now to finally get something out and you know really i think our first video that's out and yeah. um surprising the hell out of me of the views it's getting there were twenty thousand views yeah um so my friends well well you didn't think it was get that many well no i didn't me neither. I don't have any expectations for that. I, I thought if a couple hundred, I'd be, wow, that's great. But now, yeah. you know, it's like, whoa. Yeah, my ex- my expectation, you know, in the beginning, like, uh, I, I always, I was like, man, I hope we can get 10,000 views. You know, I are we have two little over 2,000 people on Facebook that follow us and, you know, however many on all the, across the other platforms and you know, I with with getting signed and everything like that. Like I was like, okay, we have this pe- these people like trying to push us out there and get other people in Europe to hear. You know, so if if we could double, maybe triple our amount of Facebook followers and views for the video, six thousand. You know, that would be awesome. Um, and then in less, you know, just over two weeks, we hit ten, and now it's just you know, it's been five weeks as of Friday, and we're at twenty. So yeah, still pinching myself on that one. Yeah, you know, um, <clears throat> and it's very interesting the um, the age group that I've um, that I've talked to who have seen it. You know, from you know twenty twenty year olds to sixty yeah. year olds, right? And you know, um, I, uh, anybody out there who's seen it, I hope you liked it. And you know, we didn't go with the conventional. Okay, we're, it's going to be us. You're going to watch us do you know a live performance. We didn't want to do that because that's been done before. We're always trying to look at what's going to make us stand out and i think you know we captured that but you know aaron came up with everything on that video so matt and i had nothing to do with it <laughs> um which was um we loved it um we loved the idea of it and we wanted to keep it you know to be us to be a little anonymous let's have people well i want to see this band and have them look into our facebook page exactly what do these guys look like what are they about you know and um get some intrigue in there yeah and then you know we're working on the second one we'll see what comes up with that one right. you know um we want to put we put a lot of we want to put a lot of thought processes into um what we're going to do visually yeah yeah it has to have purpose all of it has to have purpose and and you know it's it, it's something that i really appreciate about us um and i i think it was already i think as a as a collective, the the three of us, I think we just all understood, and it needed to go unspoken that we don't care if we're seen. Like the the point of do, being in a band, I don't think for any of us is to be the cool looking one on stage. And the whole point is just to get on stage to be cool in front of people. We want to make really good music, and part the video was an ex, for me was an extension of that where. We spent so much time on the music. It needs a story. It needs a video with the same amount of work put into it that we put into the music. They, you can't have a lacking video and a really good song, you know. Um, and 
my face or your face or Matt's face doesn't need to be there to tell that make the story better. I don't think that anything that we would have done if we had a guitar in our hands playing would have made it better. It, it you know, and that was that was kind of it was easy to see it. You know, it was easy to not feel pressured into that. Right. Well, trying to be different. Yeah. Can be tough. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, just being true to ourselves. Right. Right. Well, speaking speaking of of being true to yourself, um, you're old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've been playing drums a long time. Um, I actually don't even know when you actually started playing drums. How old were you? Oh, wow. Good question. Um, well, I first started out on the guitar. Oh, really? Know. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm learning know, new I, shit, guys. I, I, I'm uh, you know, obviously a huge beat. I was a huge Beatles fan as a kid. You know, that was my. First thing I saw musically, you know, I was five or six. That's, you know, taking me back. I was born in 62. So everybody, you can do the math. Um, and, you know, then I saw Zeppelin or heard him, I should say. Didn't see him. They'd have videos and, you know, and, oh, I want to be Jimmy Page, you know. And, yeah. And I tried it and took a couple lessons and I just didn't have, I had small hands. I didn't have, and I was always pounding on something. Right. And, um, I finally realized I'm going to be a drummer, or I want to be a drummer. That was the calling. What, so, was uh, was was any of your other family musical? Um, like was it was but the, like yeah, my grandparents uh, played keyboards and piano, oh, and my mom cool. played a little bit of piano. Um, so I had that, but they very encouraged it, you know. And there was probably a lot of music being played in the house. Yeah, yeah. Se- the seventies and the sixties and seventies to me were some of the best music. And Motown was a oh, big influence on yeah, me. Dude. The Supremes and you know, I, we, I got so much in there. Um, a lot of that was you know Three Dog Night, you know, oh, stuff yeah. that you know that um, I loved. And still today, listening to their records, they're produced very well. They Everything are so you can good. hear, you know. So I, I'd say about eleven or twelve, I was starting to bug my. I want. To play drums, I want the drum set. I want to get a drum set. I, 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 my brain does this. This is part of the fun for me doing this. When you were a kid, and you were listening, do you remember the stereo you guys had? Was it a big wood box stereo? Was it like, you know, one of the like sixties, seventies kind of just uh, over the size ones? You know, they had the TVs with the giant boxes around the TV. I like, think it was. I, I don't think it had a TV in it, but I think it was the console type thing, and the speakers were in it. And I think my grandparents had that, but they had one big, like, I guess I'd call it a woofer off oh. another part of the, you know, and you, know, you put stuff on and the dials are up there and everything's so, you know, yeah. different now. And records, LPs, yeah. you yeah. know, and, um, you know, um, still love LPs and um, just listening to that. And then, you know, um, uh, at one point, you know, my parents split up and then my dad was dating a girl who had uh, a son who was much older than me, you know, uh, um, probably five, six years older than me when I was 12. And oh, he played the huge. drums. Yeah. And he had this big, white, pearl, beautiful set, and I looked at it. And I kind of picked it up, you know, doing beats and stuff. And and then I thought, well, I might be able to do this, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I used to go down to um, Denny's Music Shop on 39th and Hawthorne. Because you're from Portland for yeah, everybody. Yeah, I'm from yeah, Portland. Yeah. Um, and just play the drums. You know, just being, when are you going to buy one? You know, I think the first kit was 300 bucks, you know, (laughs) and that was, you know, single mom raising two kids. (laughs) Yeah. That was a tough, that was a tough pull. Um, Then I finally got um, a set and then that encouraged and I started playing and I just put the record on, headphones on and learn, you know, playing songs and, and learn to hear, well, there's the kick, there's a snare, there's, he's playing that, he's on the ride, he's on, you know, and just 
over and over and over again. Then my brother, Rick, well, I want to do something. Mm. Are you older than him? Yeah. Okay. A couple of years. And, and he picked up the bass. All right. And then the rest is kind of history there, yeah. you know, and then we um, got a band. I think I was 14 or 15 and he was 12 or so. And... Um, Found a guitar, a great guitar player. When you were when you were a kid in that time, um, were you like a, a, a studious kid? Did you like school? Were you, did you were you good at that, or did did music kind of just envelop you even more? Because I I you know looking back, I wish I would have done more in school. You know, um, I just thought about playing music, honestly. Yeah. You know, and yeah, you know, gir- a- girls, um, of course, um, but um, no, you know, and I kind of regret that I didn't like. Do the band thing at school. You oh, know, I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm too cool. I'm not wearing that outfit, you know. <laughs> I regret that totally. I think all you guys that do that stuff are awesome, you know, marching band stuff. That would have been, I would have learned a lot more. That's funny. I have a regret about school you band know, too. So yeah. I, I do have a lot of regrets about that, but can't do anything about that now. But, um, you know, Interesting. I, I always wanted to do, you know, I knew I wasn't going to be a you know professional baseball player, football player, but could I become a professional drummer? Yeah. Yep. Damn right. The answer is no. I have a I have a career. <laughs> you know that never happened. But we're still um, trying to. We're still yeah. But it's still something. Um, I mean, it. Uh, I think it motivates me to live. You know, so it people live for it. You know, whether they oh, yeah. make it big or not. Um, and so uh, music's always been a huge part of my life. Like, if somebody wants to bring up music and start talking about it, I can talk for hours about it. May disagree with you on, you know, he's not a very good guitar player or somebody, you know, but but at least you have an opinion about it. And um, Well, that's, what, that's, that's what's fun is our, our five, six-hour road trips in that van is, I mean, we have in-depth music talks between the three of us because we're all music heads. And, you know, we I, yeah, it's good, man. It's a pretty good atmosphere. Okay, so you, you were like, you said you first band at like 15? That seems about right. Do you remember yeah. the name of it? I don't think we had a name. Oh, you just played. We together. were going to play a, high, a, a big party at a bar, and we were all excited about it. At least I was. <laughs> yeah. And then the guitar player—I won't mention name—quits. Um, oh, guitar fucking guitar player quits. You know, and the singer was—you know—that was the hardest part about you know fifteen through even today. Yeah, finding a good lead singer. You know, and how many times maybe we compromised? Oh, yeah. It. Yeah. Well, he's, you know, he looks good. <laughs> and that always like, I don't care. I want, it, we need to be good. You know? It's like, I don't, I don't, we don't always just want a David Lee Roth, guys. <laughs> yeah, no. And I don't, don't always want to have songs that are just sexually based and, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, cheesy, you know. Yeah. That's what you first start out when you write on your own. All of it. Yep. You know, and then you. Uh, I don't want well, to do think anymore. of the experience of life you had at that age, trying to write music anyway. I mean, what the fuck are you going to base any of your? Right, you know, we were doing cover tunes. We were doing like UFO and Pat Travers. Oh, um, cool, cool. Uh, uh, Journey, because this dude had a range. Um, the singer, and um, I'm sure he's still great. Had a range that was like wow. We knew, and the guitar player was great, and um, we were good. We, we could have been really good um, and really, you know, maybe made a little money and, and had a good draw. And then probably eventually started writing our own songs because we were just playing stuff that was popular <laughs> on the radio. We were a cover band. You know, we're teenagers. Yeah, I've, I've been in what a else, few of them. What, what else do we know? Um, and that just never worked out. And that was the first real kick in the gut about music. You know, like, ugh. Yeah. Now what do we do? Yeah. What hurts worse? What hurts worse when you're that age? Getting broken up by a girl or losing your band? 
Uh, I'd probably say the band. Yeah. Because you can get another girl if you're in a band. <laughs> if the band's still going or the, the girl. band's still yeah. going. Okay, honey. You know, uh, see you later. There's one. There's one or four right behind you. It's not That's a big right. deal. Unless you're the bass player. Then you just have more basses <laughs> and no girls. <laughs> oh, that could change when you get older. But, yeah. um, you know, so that was kind of a bummer. You know, and then high school people knew. I played, you know, and we'd have parties at my house, and we just we just played songs because we didn't have anybody who could sing. Yeah, but it would they would just be the funnest times. People would just pack our my mom's basement, and you know what? A shout out to my mom who put up with this for you know many many years, letting us, you know, giving us the um, the freedom to thrive uh-huh. and stuff, you know. And um, we did have the prize of knowing we'd try people out and just no. No, no. When well, we that, was a the- that was a different time, though. I mean, I mean, what what year did you graduate high school? Nineteen eighty. Yeah, exactly. So, so you're at the you're at the end of the seventies, man. And and one, think of all the music that's being put out at that time. And two, um, you guys were in a house. You weren't out out causing fucking trouble. Everybody was there. You mm-hmm. know, it seems like it was, especially in the eighties, man. Late seventies. Um, I I don't. I, yeah. That was our thing. That was our love. School's over. Okay. Right. Should have done homework. It was doing it on my drums, you know, and doing it together and yeah. playing with my brother and, and other friends that we finally, you know, and then, you know, several, you know, obviously been through several bands. Sure. Um, through that lifetime, from, through my lifetime. And uh, I can remember, you know. Um, so it was the first, first real band that you were in that, that, you, that you went and played with. Like, like that you guys had a, a show, like legit, I legitimately. Don't, um, it probably, you know, um, I was playing, um, was 18 and we were, um, it was two guitar players, my brother plays and, and, and I was playing drums and one of the guitar players could sing good enough to, you know, yeah. wasn't, you know, Steve Perry or Robert Plant or anything like that, but good enough to, and I had graduated high school and I needed to get my shit together. I was just doing that. It was, you know, the early 80s. The um, economy was shit. Couldn't get a job. I tried to go to school. I just wasn't ready, mature enough. Yeah. So I had to say, and I joined the Air Force. Right. And um, the guitar player had a drummer. He had a brother who played the drums. So he got in and they played their first gig. I think it was at Portland State. Mm. I remember watching it and just saying, I just made the big mistake of my life, you know, joining the military and um, seeing them play. So it was several years later when I came back to Portland. Okay. And um ready to get going. So um I don't quite remember the name, but um I was probably twenty five. Sure. You know, and that was back when, you know, Eli's when there were so many clubs to play here in Portland. Um What was the Air Force like in the eighties? Um <laughs> um what, what, what was your job? What did you go in for? I was in, um, I ended up doing an administrative work. Oh, cool. Kind of, um, you know, nothing, nothing too exciting. You know, I didn't, obviously, um, it wasn't a pilot or anything, uh, but um, I enjoyed it because I, I grew up. Ah. I grew up and knew, you know, I have to take care of myself and I grew up and I matured more you know, sure. in that time when I came home. You know, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew I had to pay the bills and yeah. do it at do what it took to, to make it. I didn't, you know, figure out um, any of that for a decade. Maybe, you know, <laughs> You're fucking right, dude. I, you know, I, I, I knew um, from a young age I didn't want to have kids. So, because um, I wanted the freedom to do what I wanted to that, do. Well, that's another thing that I'm that we share 
that, yeah. uh, that I find nice. Um, so, you know, um, and so we played and learned so much about, because back then you had to go through a talent agency and then you, you learned, hey, we need a sound man. We need our own sound man. We need a light yeah. person. And then, okay, that costs money. Mm-hmm. So we got to the point where, you know, we were um, headlining at places and then, you know, you had to pay the bar a certain amount, pay this a certain yeah. amount and, and do this because we learned we need to sound good. Right. We yeah. need to sound good because if you, you know, and you opened up for other bands and you, they paid the sound man. You know, right. You didn't, we were just happy to play. Yeah. You know, we got some free beer. That'd be cool. You know, um, and then as we learned and matured, we need our own sound man. We need this. And, and you learn all that. Right. And what to do and what not to do. Um, and um, just wanted to play everywhere we could. Yeah. My goal was to play every club that rock and roll could be played. And we met that. You know, we met that goal. And um, and as I got farther in, 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 and bands broke up, you know, or something didn't work out, um, played different styles, you know, um, and just got more, um, I guess, diverse in your catalog in your, of, yeah. of what I've played, you know, I did, didn't stick to one genre, so to speak. Sure. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, going in the studio um, for the first time was pretty exciting. It was just me and a guitar player because my b- brother was out of town. And um, we didn't play to a click track. So we played a little stuff. Then Rick came in and did all the stuff. And um, God, I think it was River Recording. Um, and the, the um, timing seemed to be pretty close i think that's what i prided myself on that i'm consistent with my you have such timing you have such a good internal metronome it it is it is a it is from playing with drummers who don't they can keep time when the whole band's going or make it feel like it but you you vary so little in your swing how far before and after the beat you are. Cause you will, you'll ride the front of the beat. If it's a faster part or play off the backbeat, you, you, you will do that, but the tempo doesn't change, man. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks. And that was kind of my, I want to be consistent. Yeah. Here's the, how I do this fill or whatever. And I'm going to do that the same way every time, mm-hmm. you know, um, then, um, I don't know, a year or two later, we got into the studio and we were playing to a click track. And apparently I was not on very good because we rehearsed all this stuff. I went in there. You're off. You're off. I'm like, where am I off? And um, it was really frustrating. Yeah. Um, really frustrating um, where I didn't feel I was, but what do I know? So then I learned we started practicing to a click track. Mm. And then went on the next time and it was much better because that's, I don't know how people, you know, if you haven't done it before, it is not friggin' yeah. easy yeah because you find out this fill doesn't work i'm totally coming in wrong and you know and you'll learn that when you're on a click track you know click 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 and you want to do something fancy oh, oh that doesn't work well and then the other thing too a lot of people will think that even playing to a song playing along with a song is like playing to a click track and that's not true because your brain won't distinguish how far off of a beat you are if there's all if if you're listening to the guitar if you're a bass player for instance this is my experience and i'm trying to learn a bass part and i'm playing along to the song you hear the drums going on you're trying to follow the guitar parts you're listening to the music the, the vocals happening and you're playing within the pocket to the notes that you know are supposed to be there but you play to the pocket of the song it does not mean you're on time right and the way to know everybody is Put a click track on and record yourself. 
even with just your your phone, and then listen back to it when you don't have the instrument, whatever you play, in your hands and your fingers aren't trying to keep time and only your ears are listening to it, you will hear you're off. And if you can see it, if you can record on a computer, you will see you're off. Like, there, it doesn't lie. And yeah, it took a long yeah, time for me to get used to that that's, too. Um, <clears throat> that, that's totally key. I learned that. Oh, I'm not as you know great as I think I am. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm totally off. So that was a great learning experience and learning to... You know, um, I think the drummer just needs to serve the song and and yeah. know where you know where, where maybe the vocals are, and you don't hit the cymbals here. You don't you know you want to let that depending on what you're doing. If you're doing instrumental, right. okay, you, you want to be fancy Please. and show yeah. all your, your your awesome chops, but it still has to be in time. Yep, for the most part, it should be in time. So I see if you record something, you record it first, and you're not in time, and the guitar player comes back and like this is off. You know, so. Um, that's the most important thing to me. I think just timing and knowing where, you know, it's it's not important to me, like how I look when I'm playing. Yeah. It's important where you hit the beat. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, who are some of your big musical influence? You talked about a couple past, you know, bands that when you like that you remember listening, but but who are some of your big drumming influences that that you you know, I mean, obviously we Neil Peart um is, you know, Rush is all of our favorite band or at least you're my favorite band. Um, but who are other ones that you Well, that you I'd really say dug? from the beginning, you know, Ringo Starr, you know. Um, yeah, of course, Ringo. I uh, loved Floyd Sneed from Three Dog Night. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and then I heard Zeppelin. Ah, uh, Bonzo. Know, and, then, and, and you look at him, you think all oh, that stuff's really simple, you know, and no, no, it's not. But he always had the killer sound. Yeah. So, um, but um, then I heard Neil. Yeah. I think twenty one twelve is the first time I heard that. I'm like, whoa. Yep. How is that, you know, and that just phew, opened up my mind to like, wow. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. I often try to put myself in the shoes of people experiencing music when it first happens. Cause, you know, for me, I I I had heard bands, you know, I'd before I really dug into Rush's catalog, I had already heard Dream Theater. And so I heard Neil doing all this amazing shit. And at when I when I was first ingesting all of this information, all of the songs, it, I didn't think about the time it was being written. And I couldn't imagine hearing 2112 for the first time. And then Hemispheres comes out and you just like, it's, it's brand new to the world. No one's ever heard Hemispheres before. And to, you know, to be a drummer and get that and just like what that, I mean, can you even, what was that like, oh, man? Um, with any album that was just groundbreaking. That one, you know, I just, I just totally, sh- I think I just totally shifted my, my, my focus. Yeah. And, you know, I'm here listening to that, you know, over and over again and just, and then he writes the lyrics. Yeah. This dude's amazing, you know, and, um, um, love all those, you know, the, the, the um, earlier influence I talked to about, but then I listened to him and really got into it. And then I, then that just spawned a whole nother, explosion of drummers who man yeah and then now today there are people doing things that's like wow you know he, he i think he was a huge influence on agreed on music still today yeah yeah well i mean you know you had i mean really if if you know you had neil you had bill bruford right yeah doing just you know king crimson and the like um you had phil collins who 
people go Phil Collins. No, yeah, it, a lot of people and, don't. He's, him in Genesis. If you he's listen, quite a drummer. If you listen to Genesis, where he wasn't the singer, where Peter Gabriel was still singing, and all Phil Collins was was a drummer for a prog band, and you know, for for early Genesis, it, you you will go, oh, I mean, he was a monster drummer. Absolutely, you know. You know. Um, but but then I, you know, even. You know, I'm sure by the time, you know, mid 80s come out, you're getting out of the, you know, obviously all that older prog and stuff was still there. But um, what what about kind of in your mid 20s? What were some newer bands coming up? I mean, I'm sure I'm sure like Stuart Copeland was a huge drummer for you. Did uh, you like the police yeah, a lot? Um, I do. But I um, used to um, <clears throat> annoy me a little bit when they say the best three piece in the world. Uh, <sighs> no, no. Sorry. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um. <laughs> not even close right um i know um stewart and neil are were great friends uh, yep. i think um to me stewart made that band and he was really interested and he played um traditional grip yep which you know i started doing but, that but i went to match grip buddy know. rich man yeah well buddy yeah but but um buddy rich is a great drummer but he knew it yeah oh fuck yeah he knew it and um that was a turnoff for me yeah like god that guy's just um, One of my favorite things to watch today is Neil's Buddy Tribute or Buddy Rich Tribute performance yeah. in like 95 or 96. Well, just look at was. all the drummers that are on that. You yeah. know, um, I can remember hearing um, Asia, Steve Gadd, oh, play on that song. Yeah, and I went, dude. wow. Steve Gadd's the man. He and is, I, I remember, if I correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm right. That was one take. It was, yeah, 100%. I mean, are you serious? Yeah. So that guy either, you know, rehearsed a hell of a lot or just was a natural, had the feel for those little, those breaks he does in the middle there and just like, yeah. Yeah. Some of them. That just, dude's got it. You know, um, it's just built in, man. They, they have yeah, that brain I was a big it. fan of, you know, uh, Buford when he was in, um, yes. Oh, you know, yeah, then I was too, a mad man. when he left. What? You know? Yeah. But Alan White came in. Alan White's great, man. There's so many to me. You know, I, 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 it said, who's your favorite German? I have to name 20, you right, know, that have right. influenced me over the time. Because there's even people, Gavin Harrison today or any oh, of the like, yeah. you know, I mean, Jesus Christ. I remember the first time seeing um, Porcupine Tree, when it's Porcupine Tree, um, uh, a friend took me to see him and um, they were at the Roseland. Yeah. And I think the album, The Incident, had came out that uh, day. It was that, yeah, okay, yeah. And we got there. I hadn't really heard him except one song called Blackest Eyes. Yeah. Like, wow, this guy's different. Stephen Wilson's fucking phenomenal. His brain's Got weird. there, and that place was, you couldn't walk. There were so many people in there. So, how do so many people know about this band? And they played the incident, you know, I think almost the in whole its album. Entirety, yeah. 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 And it was probably the best sounding concert in the Roseland, which is pretty tough to do. I'd ever heard, especially the way that album starts. It's really quiet, then all of a sudden, it's this massive thrashing guitars and, yeah. and then it stops and everybody knew the album because they must have known the album they got there because they knew to st be quiet they weren't clapping and stuff and i go what am i seeing here it was like an eye-opening performance piece and then yeah. who's this fucking drummer you know and like wow Jesus. you know and i've yeah. uh, followed him you know and they've, they've got a new album coming out here pretty soon so I know. i'm really excited a to porcupine hear that. tree album yeah yeah and i've been a big fan of stephen wilson ever since yeah he, i i i am I wish I would have been exposed to him in the beginning of of learning modern prog and understanding kind of you know where it transitioned from seventies prog, and I totally missed the porcupine tree thing. I've tried listening into it now, and I I appreciate the musicality. I don't get it. 
I it it doesn't like reach out and grab me. I've I've listened to most of his early albums before he actually had them as a real band. You know, he self he was like uh, Nine Inch Nails man. He produced all that stuff in his room by himself. The first what three or four albums he did. I they, think so. Porcupine yeah. Tree. Yeah. It was just him. Well, it's him learning his. You know, yeah. and then yeah. He found people that could play it. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. He found the people that could play it. Um, I respect the shit out of it. I just don't get it. It's like animals as leaders. I respect the shit out of it. I just yeah, it doesn't fucking do anything. Have you for seen me. him live? Tosin, Obasi? No. Oh, oh, Stephen Wilson. Yeah. No, I haven't. Okay. No, I haven't. You have to go see him live. Then yeah. you'll get it. Yeah. You will just go. I'm sure. Well, I mean, whatever. I've seen him. I've seen him in three or four different venues, and the sound. He just obviously he has his own people. Yeah. It's just. Wow! Even if you don't like the songs, you have to be impressed with the musicianship. Oh fuck yeah! And and the feeling you get when you're watching, you know, some of the stuff, the hair on your arms just kind of rises up. And those or those are the moments you rarely get, you know. I think and right. you're just like, man, this dude's a genius. And so everybody that's with him, oh, he's and no doubt. I, I think a genius. about the yeah. backdrop, the the backstory of like, how long did that take mm. for them to rehearse this stuff and the drummer to figure all that stuff out and everybody else he has in the band? Well, when you're when you're Gavin Harrison, you're that stuff is in that's in your brain. You can just come up with that. It's I don't think there's a lot of figuring out for guys like him or Marco or you know, I mean any anybody of that ilk. Um, I don't think they're doing much of figuring. I think that's so intrinsic. Well, I think, you know what? Um, I have regrets on. Like I said earlier about you know not doing the high school band thing. I I don't read music or anything like that. So I wish I did. And these guys dedicated Do, their lives yeah, to yep. all that so they are far you know far above on what i've ever accomplished playing i mean and i, I, know, I wish that's one regret i wish i would have paid more attention to that well rather. nobody nobody that i know has the ability i mean what makes all what makes all these guys great <coughs> jesus what makes all those guys great is that at, at points in their life in their in their development of their skill, they were afforded the time to spend eight hours a day, every day, for months and months and months. Didn't have school, didn't have jobs, didn't have to they, they were able to do nothing but live, eat, sleep that instrument for I mean, they they would get ten thousand hours in six months of practice. And I've I've never gone eight hours of playing my instrument once in my life just practicing. I've never woken up, started playing bass, and played bass all day until I went to sleep, and then woke up and did it the next day. I've never done that, but they did that for months on end. Right. And that's the difference. That's, I mean, and they're doing that at 17 years old, you know? They're doing that at 19. They're doing that at 20. But those times when I was fucking partying and loving jamming drunk with my friends at the same time that that exact same guy my age was never seeing anybody because he had no friends other well, than their drum kit he he was you know what you know i think what we would have called and you would have called you know well he was the nerd yeah and then later on in life you're like i, I wish a i was a nerd. fucking nerd yeah yeah because yeah i partied you know Oh, love yeah. to drink beer, smoke a little weed, you know, and go to the go to the beach. You know, there's a keg every night in the summertime. Looking back on that, I wish I would have made better choices. But it's still it's still satisfying for what I'm doing now. You know, um, yeah. I'm happy in life. 
oh, you know, um, shit, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm happy to have, you know, that you've come into the band and we've, um, the chemistry is great. And it's like, you know, we've known each other for, feels like we've known each other all our lives, even yeah, though, yeah, it, it, much it, older. It truly does. You know, and, um, well, I, I grew up, I grew up with old parents. Um, you know, I, I was raised, both my parents were, well, my dad was born in the forties and my mom was born in the fifties, you know? So I, I have, I grew up in an era of, uh, in my house, the way most of my stuff worked, uh, the way my parents like to live, I was 10 years behind modern shit. I mean, we, you know, I was still carrying around a Walkman in 2000. I didn't have a CD player yet. I was still listening to cassette tapes and I would go home and spin vinyl. Like, you know, that, that was my life and everybody else had CDs and already MP3s. And, you know, it was, so I get, I get it. You know, it, it, there's a, there's a kind of, uh, air of nostalgia. I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I appreciate the same things you appreciate because I had them too. You know, it, I was now granted a decade behind you, but two decades behind you, but, um, I, I think that's kind of well, where technology's we helped definitely helped, I think, and maybe hurt. There's, yeah. I think it's a double-edged sword because yeah. you see some of these kids, you know, um, they're in a music school or something and they're kicking out, you know, some stuff and like, you know, they're 10 yeah. and they're playing the drums like Jesus makes you want to say, oh, I think I don't, why am I playing anymore? This kid's kicking the hell out of me. <sighs> and, but you know, that also takes, I think having parents who have the money to support you on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, not saying it's that you can't do it, but you know, you, you, you can't just go get a drum set, you know, it, they're not free, you know, and everything and have the time, a place to play it yep. and, um, be able to do stuff like that. If you love doing it and someone so, well, why don't I put you in a school and blah, blah, blah. And by the time they're 20. Yeah, dude, they're, they're freaking, and they, you know, maybe they go to Berkeley or something and, yeah. and, um, there you go. But we need those people. We need we, we do, need that to they're, exist. They're inspiring, you know, other stuff. But it's the, it's the it inspires me right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, the self-made people who I will always say self-taught. You know, because I learned from all these records and stuff I listened to. Yeah, you yeah. know, countless things. I'd hear something new. Oh, I want to listen to this album and try and figure out this song. You know, and that's how I learned how to play. I'm still learning to play. I'll never be as good as I want to be. Fuck yeah. Never be as good as I want to <laughs> I be. I agree. Once you think, oh, I got it dicked. Mm, nope. 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 Yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't imagine. I could never imagine uh going, I'm good enough. Like, like you, you know, I can shred, I can do all these. Okay, I'm done. You know, there's nothing else to learn. There's no different feel to, you know, just saying, I got, I got enough skill. I can just play this exactly what I'm doing forever and never change it. Uh, some people do that. Some people find their stride and they hit it and they just stay in that lane and they yeah, never get. You, you can listen to records, uh, um, you know, Tool, Danny Carey. Uh, oh, I can't remember what song it is off the top of my head right now. And I'm like, how is he doing that? And then I went to see him live. Like, oh. That's how he's doing that. I was totally wrong. I yeah, I listened to it, you know, a thousand times and still wasn't, you know, getting it. And like, oh, that's how he's doing that. Wow, mm-hmm. you know, um, he's another monster. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's yeah, Portnoy, Mangini. There and there's people, you know, can probably haven't even heard yet that are. Oh Jesus! You yeah. just come across something on YouTube. Oh Jesus! Yeah. Who's this dude? Yeah, you know, and um. And then there's the nice, you know, 
simple two four Phil Rudd. Oh fuck that yeah, just dude. keeps that keeps that shit going and but pocket you know, for days. Yeah, I mean he has the. I don't think there's one song in the catalog he's ever played a ride cymbal. <laughs> if someone out there knows it, let us know because I've never heard it. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, speaking of good music, man, album we picked today. I haven't played one in a while on the show. You kind of perused through my collection a bit, and you went with the Doobie, Doobie Brothers to Lose Street. What's uh, what's this? What's Doobie Brothers to you? Um, one of the first shows I ever saw. Um, one of the first concerts. No, it must have been the third. My first one was I was a huge Bachman Turner Overdrive fan. I love BTO. And I, at PIR, I think I was 12. Me and my friend John really? went to see um, Bachman Turner Overdrive was um, headlining. Journey opened up before Steve Perry and um, uh, Aerosmith was the middle band. <sighs> Two 12-year-old kids walking around. Probably wouldn't happen today. You were on a no. speedway. Um, uh I think we had one joint between us, you know, and then, yeah, and then, uh, we made it through, got out alive. <laughs> and then I think the second show was the Doobie Brothers. 74. Was that like Toys in the Attic or right before Toys in the Dream Attic? Dream On. Oh, it was still Dream On. Yeah. Oh, shit. That was that early Aerosmith. Yeah. I think Bachman Turner was, was um, oh. Toys in the Attic was what, 75? I think later, yeah. They had honed their craft a little more because it was just Dream On, but, um, but it was the Dewey Brothers, and I want to say Pablo Cruz. Um, and I just always loved the Dewey Brothers. And then I'd go to every show I could afford to go to. You know, I was in Chicago. 75. April of 75 is when Toys in the Attic came out. So you had to, yeah, you saw them in like 74 then. Probably, yeah. Wow. Like I said, long time ago. That's awesome. Well, you got you picked Toulouse Street, so I think just you know I haven't heard this in so long. Yeah, and um, it would have been you know easy. Let's let's just play a Rush song, but um, let's do. Oh yeah, I have, I got a lot of Rush in there. Um, okay, well let me do this. Um, it's song number four, so I'm going to try a drop. That's the one good thing I, about technology. <laughs> yeah, you can just press play. So there may be a little runoff but uh, from the last track, but I think I nailed it. All right. Well, here we go. I love the guitars in this song. love their harmonies, man. Their voices just get so... You know, I have to think that kind of started with the Beatles 
Oh, totally. You know, and then all these I other bands. We want to do this. And I love that too. Yeah. I just might pass this way. I and I love the. They use different instruments. Again. They can play acoustic, they can go really rocking. And two drummers that. Yeah. Seems to work. Oh, it totally works. This is melancholy. I just might pass this way again. It's like a song about coming back to a place that you're like, but it doesn't sound happy. You know, it's not. It's not. Well, it sounds like a place I've never been, and oh, maybe I'll come back. Yeah. um, What I always find great about music, especially when you put AirPods and stuff, you can always hear something different you didn't hear before. This is all recorded tape. This album came out in 72, everybody. 1972. Locked in a room down in New Orleans, the flood is a flowing fast. Ooh. Locked in a room down in New Orleans, the flood is a flowing fast. Yeah. Yeah, that's um like oh that's not very rock and sure it is. I love that's what I love about some of these albums that have an interlude of a maybe deep vocal or a lyrical content and it's just a couple of guitars. Yeah, no per- mandolin, no, no driving rhythm. Yeah. Right. It's something you could sit in a pub and watch and just go wow. Absolutely, absolutely. Don't have le- electric guitars and stuff hiding. Yeah. Yeah. My point. <laughs> yeah, that was that was showing their musicality. That was Well, you know, yeah, in bands I played them like, can you play an acoustic guitar? Uh not really. And uh, that was always kind of a check mark. Like, well, I want to do be diverse and yeah. hear stuff, you know, hear stuff that you can do in an acoustic. I play this all the time. Yeah. I love acoustic songs and and um Taking it down a notch or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, man, one of the coolest shows we played was that one acoustic show we played in Seattle in that coffee shop, man. That was fun. That was real nice. Yeah, I think um, before you came in, we um, uh, opened up for a band ca- called Adelita's Way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and we decided just to do acoustic. And that's what was just, and that was when uh, um, it was just Angela and I and, and Matt. I just took a D- Dembali in there and we, they both sat down in chairs and it was a really good crowd and they freaking freaked. 
it was like better response than we got when we played electric. And I'm like, where are these people when we play electric? It was just one of those nights that we were all, it, it just worked. Yeah. It just totally worked. And um, that was, that's what I think keeps you going. It's like, you know, if you're a golfer and you're hitting the shots, you hit that one great shot and you're like, that keeps you coming back. Because yeah, you know, totally. we played. I'm sure you have. You know, you play a lot of shows, and you're disappointed with the crowd. You're disappointed, but you know, you played well. With the like, sound, with you know, the, or something uh, just yeah, doesn't. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the beauty of playing live. Totally. You don't know what's going to happen. Yep. And like, why? You know, why didn't we? I don't know. Sometimes you just come out disappointed, not by the performance, but by not it, enough people came in, so yeah. people didn't get it tonight. But and it, then the, it, the one, one or two shows that you do nail it. And I mean, nail it all around. Nail Good production. Every, yeah, everything. Everybody's there. Everybody's into it. And um, and that's like, okay, I want to keep doing this. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, regardless, I think you, I think you could come away saying any one of those shows you still look benefit from. You're still learning something from, Absolutely. even if it's a shitty show. There's always something about that that you can look back on and go, okay, I could have done this better. Uh, Next time we can take this step to make sure this thing doesn't get overlooked or, you know, there's always that. You're always learning, man. Every yeah, you kind of learn doing playing clubs. And you learn not to let them walk all over you. Yes. You know, it, and, and but you know what? Be nice about it. Don't yeah. be a dick. Get your point across and but say. You have to you have to advocate for your yourself as a band. You're not yeah. someone that they're doing a favor for. You're actually bringing people into their establishment. So there there is a there is a, a benefit. A, a back and forth between that they re- they you know you as a as the performer uh do deserve respect from the club you know they to be to be treated as the performers of you know coming in whether whether it's music or stand-up comedy or whatever it is i think there's a sometimes they can take advantage of young performers uh by saying hey you know like pay to play things and you know, it's uh Yeah, I don't get that. No I, man. I, I um I would never want to do that. No. I don't mind playing for free. Because pretty much a lot of times <laughs> yeah. we do. Yeah. You know. Um but the thing, hey, if you want to play in this club it's gonna cost you two hundred and fifty bucks. No, not gonna do it. No way. No way. Never. That's compromising I think our integrity, I think, in that, right? Yep. No, you have to promote the gig. We'll show up. We'll be professional. We'll promote it too. We'll do we'll all of it, our side of it. But yeah. your job as booking us is to get the word out. Right. You know, um, and some of these road trips we've done, you know, that people that want us in Redmond or Bend and stuff. And we get down there early, get all our gear in there. Man, this place is going to be packed. The promoter or raw around. This place is going to be packed tonight. We've been promoting the shit out of it. No, they can't wait to see, you know, a band from Portland, Earth to Ashes. We, they've yeah. heard of you before. You get there and 12 people freaking show up. Yeah. Like, where's all the people? Yeah, you know, so and we paid for a hotel room. We pay, you know, and we were expecting to get paid, but we expected to have a crowd. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is you know three hundred miles from where we live, you know, and that's the points where it's like, <sighs> yep, fuck, I put all these hours in it and drove, put all this time and money into it, and this is how they're, you know, yeah, and yeah. a lot of times that can be very depressing. Fuck yeah, I can. You know, um, you're driving home the next day and, like, uh, you know, it makes and it's a long not, it's never, to me, it's never been about the money. It's about, you didn't do your job. Yeah. We did ours and quite well. Yeah. Most of the time, but you didn't do yours. And so that's just, you know, and that's the sad thing for me who's lived here, you know, most of my life where there used to be all kinds of places to play rock and roll or jazz or blues, what about live venues that is pretty much gone now. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much gone. 
it's a DJ thing that's playing a computer, you know, and it's like, this isn't. That or cover bands. Yeah. That guy's not a musician. Yeah, yeah. Or they call themselves tribute bands. Right. You know, like you're pretending to be someone else. I get it. And but, it makes money. But those people should be coming out and seeing and supporting local. Original bands. Original yeah. bands. Yeah. Whether you like them or not, you know, we, we go see one. <clears throat> well, but, you know, and, and it's not, I'm not putting shame on the people in the tribute bands. Because most of no, the time, no. they're also in original bands. But- they will even be the ones to say, yeah, I've been in an original band for 15 years. I've been in a tribute band three years and I've played way more shows. Yeah, because I've, made, I've made money playing the cover. You know, I playing, totally get it. You know, so so they're original musicians too and they're working to do it. It's We're not talking about the people in the bands. We're talking about the promoters. We're talking about what the public is paying for because of the way music works today. And it's it's we're in a world of lull of original music being valued. And um, I think it's because of clubs shutting down. I think it's because of the amount of venues that you can play at. If, you know, if there were still a bunch of bars around where people were, you know, uh, Ash Street style saloons where shows could be had that are divey, but still having good shows at, man. And and every night of the week or every other night of the week, there were bands playing shows. We talking about yeah, a different it used thing. To be, it used to be you earned, you earned your way up, you opened, you know, you bag and say hey can we open with you guys and stuff yeah and then you would work out deals with bands you liked one thing we learned to do use one drum set yeah talk to the drummer that's you know if you're friends with them hey let's just put your drum set on on there yeah you're um, headlining and you're headlining and then the other, ba- the other bands are going to play that because the kit's already mic'd it's ready to go it makes the show smoother yep. it sounds better you adapt to it you know so we that's <clears> one thing i learned when we started headlining hey here's what we here's what we do we're gonna play, say Eli's, and we we and and me and uh, some of our guys in the band will go out and watch bands yeah. on a Tuesday night. Yeah, and let's ask these guys to open for us, you know, and and just watch these bands that had nobody in the house, nobody there on a Tuesday. But you're like, man, they're playing. These guys yeah. would be fucking great with us. Yeah, and say, hey, you want to do a show? Oh yeah, we've heard you guys. We'd love to do a show with you. Well, here's how we like to do it. Would you would you have a big deal about playing my drums? No. Most of them who are young and ambitious, because yeah. it's then we don't have to worry about the sound. We'll, we have a professional sound guy. We'll come sound check, get everything in. You can adjust what you want, or just bring your own cymbals and your own snare. Yeah, and you can adjust some stuff. But this makes the show go a lot smoother. It, it, it um, kind of synchronizes the sound between each band. At least the, the rhythm section sounds really good. Yep. Um, and um, we we put on a better show. And most people didn't mind. Or some, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, okay. Yeah. That, that, that's fine too, but then you're not going to, you know, you get the, well, but then that's, we'll get somebody else. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait a second. You know, but that's. Um, yeah. We're trying to build that's our the show. Way a lot of the, yeah. you know, that some of the bands I played with back in those days that we were close with, that's how we did it. <clears throat> hey, yeah, we're headlining. You're going to play Troy's drums. No problem. Yep. No problem. I get it. Just cover up the, you know, cover up the, uh, the, the kick, kick drum, drum head. Yeah. Cause that's not our band. That's not our name, but you know, <clears throat> yep. We're just happy to play. And right. now, I just, I, you know, I don't know if I could, you know, like I said, I'm older, maybe out of the scene, but I don't know where we could play. Yeah. I don't know any of the clubs that are still open now for rock bands like, uh, you know, for like us. Right. We have to go to Seattle or Idaho or something like that because well, they still, they still, they still have a, a crowd that comes and yeah. wants to see it and supports it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, you know, we've been, there's a few, a few friends of ours who are in uh, heavier bands than us. Um, that want us to play shows with them, and I have no problem being the lightest band in the in the. I don't want to go see three bands that sound the same, right? Honestly, if as a fan, 
Yeah. I want to see some diversity. Whether well, I like it or not, I, I totally respect it. You got up there and played. Well, and the you other know, thing, and- too, is like we may not be the heaviest sounding band, but I, I think we'll get up there and be very musical and, um, you know, be a be a be a comp- competition in, in just the experience we're giving them, whether or not our music sounds the same. Um, you know, I don't think it's like a, I don't think we provide a lull. And I think we have m- moments in our new music that's heavy enough to some parts to, you know, it's fucking metal, man. We have a couple metal parts in our, in our new songs. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> um, we don't really write singles. You know, we haven't yet. You know, the three minute radio. Okay, well, I should say radio friendly. Yeah, radio what friendly. What you call singles. radio friendly songs now. All I know is you know, a single. So it is, but it's seven minutes, you know. Five and a half minutes long. It's yeah. five and a half? Okay. F- 5.50, Okay. That's. Yeah, that's a long song. Because it, it's telling the story and it's a, a nice, you know, then it goes into the interlude of here's our instrumental part, so yeah. to speak. You know, we do some changes in there and come back and finish the stuff. And then that's why uh, some of the new songs are still like that. Yeah. Um, it's just how the song worked out. Right. Well, you know? yeah, I mean, so so I guess <laughs> two words um, is three minutes and 47 seconds or all, it's less than four minutes long. So it's it's single length. It's just a weird song. It's not uh, doesn't sound like a normal conventional single. You know, we don't really have a repeating chorus in it. Um that's the same all the times. All our verses change through the whole entire thing. Like it's a, it's not. There's no really anthem. Well, I think Dream has that. Dream is potential. our anthem, at, but it's almost eight minutes long. But it gives a chance for the crowd, and and because yeah. of the background stuff. When when and when you guys hear it, we hope you really like it. Because I'm personally really proud of that song. I think, that I song think it's is it's, is an amazing song. If I pat myself on the back. For the whole way we got it together and yeah. um, some uh, special guest guitar player on it and um, some really cool stuff. I still like listening to it. Oh, I, I I still get chills. You know, I'm working on the video for it right now and yeah. it's not – it ha- it doesn't become tedious to just keep hearing it over and over again. I'm it, – it's uh, – yeah. Well, it's the fun song. part about that one um, was that, you know, we got in the studio and then we, we all kind of said, what if we did this here and we did this here and how it – came from kind of a basic the basic idea of it and then it grew into and we got to we added some stuff in it as when you hear it you'll you'll we'll talk about it then after it's out yeah and i think that made that really um collaborative effort that like boy it sure came out different than when we went in you know oh Um, yeah yeah it sure did it sure did um I have to piss real fast, so I'm going to play a quick commercial, uh, and then I will be right back. Hey, welcome back to Falco's 90-Minute Meditation Hour. I'm your astrally projected inner truth self and part-time glory hole cleaner, Falco. All right, my astral friends, start by closing your eyes, sit on your root chakras, and let's meditate. Today is a day of reflection. Take a deep breath and start to picture all of the things in your life that you appreciate and place them on a high pedestal in your mind. There, see how clear you see them? How good they smell? This is your samsara. Okay, reach up to your pedestal to, uh, 
grab one of, uh, your, uh, shit. Dang, bro. I made my pedestal too tall. And now I can't reach my nice things. They're just like, right there? Ugh, it figures. Just how the rest of this stupid year is going. This constant slaps to the face, the taint, the bottom of your feet, and then your eyebrows get set on fire. I'm just gonna kick over my tower of nice things, get them down to the ground, and just have to rebuild it like everyone else right now. <laughs> Reflecting is stupid. Oh, well, it looks like we've made it to another hour, friends. Uh, I hope that you can reflect on things better than that. And <clears throat> least we forget that we are continually sponsored by Kablarg. They are a wonderful company who makes a large variety of products. And, uh, you know, we want to tell everybody that they provide incredible products. Welcome to Kablarg Motors, proudly serving the U.S. mediocre automobiles for the last three and a half months. And we're still going. Kablarg! Kablarg! When I first heard about Kablarg Motors, I broke down at a taco house somewhere outside of Dallas. I was fortunate enough to get upgraded to a bigger car that smelled like farts at first. But now I only smell burritos. Farty burritos. Which is appropriate, because later my farts will smell like burritos. Kablarg! Kablarg! Thank you, Kablarg. Alright, um, I want to move into a fun part of the conversation right now, where I'm going to ask you a ridiculous question. This is... Oh, I have a button for this, too. See? My show is... Uh, incredibly produced. Oh, where is it? Nope, never mind. I don't know where it is. Okay. Pick a card. It has a drum kit on it. How weird is that? <laughs> you just picked a card with a drum kit on it out of a stack of like 60 cards, 50 cards. Okay. So, this question is from my hypotheticals. It's called the industry standard. <sighs> you are inside a very pe peculiar rock club. For whatever the reason, the manager of this club demands that all his musical acts must take an extensive IQ test before he will allow them to perform. Tonight, there are two acts on the bill, and they coincidentally share the same band name the industry standard. Both bands are alleged to be awesome. Sadly, you only have one hour to spend at the club, and the intermission between the two acts is very long, so you can't watch both. You ask the manager which version of the industry standard you should watch. I have no idea, he says, but I will tell you this. The first band has the highest test scores I've ever seen anywhere. Each member of the band is technically a genius. One guy scored higher than Marilyn Va scored higher than Marilyn Voss Savant. Conversely, the band playing second had some of the worst scores ever recorded. One might one member might be 
actually illiterate. However, I halfway suspect they were all drunk and mocking the entire process. I couldn't tell for sure. Which version of the band do you want to watch? The second one. Why? They're probably better, more fun. Because <laughs> they're they, they did worse on the test. Because yeah, what does that have to do with music? Right. You know, um, yeah, I would be drawn to watch that band. Interesting. I, I think I would as well. I would, whether they were fucking off or they're actually dumb, they're both on the bills. So I would like to. Uh... And they're playing later. Yeah. Yeah, and they're playing. So like, everybody will be a little drunker and Correct. Okay. Um What's the most pleasant experience of eating a food for the first time that you've had? Like thinking of things you've tried that are new, weird. Can you go back and go like I'd never eaten this before and it was just it blew my mind on how good it actually was. Are you looking for a f- uh, the food type or a variety? An experience, or just experience? one um, of eating and just like a something uh, new. Yeah, um, we were up in, say, Victoria, my wife and I, and uh, we tried. I'd never had Kobe beef before. Oh, okay, and um, we had a Kobe beef burger, and then it had garlic fries. And it was just, oh my god! I still, I'm still thinking about it today. Like, yeah, that was the best burger and fries I've never had ever before. Had ever, and you try and it's probably like you know cocaine or things. You try it, hey, first time, yeah. You're trying to get that high again, yeah, yeah. yeah, You just never can. (laughs) You're never gonna get that. That's why you get in trouble later in life. Um, tried to find that, and you know we've cooked some at home. It just wasn't the same. Was damn good, but just wasn't the same. I just, oh man. Chasing that, was, that burger dragon. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm even now. Yeah, mouth is watering now. What about, uh, you, you've done some, you guys, you've done some some traveling and uh, been to Ireland a couple times, right? Correct. Yeah. What, what's, uh, what was some of the, the, the like, food you had there or, or oh. things that, that would just, that weren't normal, that weren't. Okay. We went on our honeymoon. <clears throat> um, that would have been in 2000. Um, and, uh. The food was terrible. <laughs> in Ireland? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> fucking terrible. Um, you know, it's a long flight and we get there and um, we're both starving. You know, I don't know how long we've been up for 24 hours and, hey, breakfast is about reset. We go in there and we order some stuff and the guy comes out and opens his plate up and it's like one piece of sausage. I think it was a tomato and just these awful looking eggs. And he's like, voila. I go, what the f- in my head, what the yeah. fuck is this? You know, because you're used to eggs and, you know, American. Yeah. Stop, and, yeah. You know, um, and it wasn't great, you know, um, but you're so hungry, you ate it. And then just learning, you know, we were in different parts of the country. Finally, by the time we got to Dublin, they had um, everything you could have. So we found some, you know, pasta that was really good or whatever. And, um, you know, and they wanted to serve potatoes with everything. Hey, that, you know, you order a burger and fries. Would you like a potato with that? No. Why would I want, you know, or I remember somebody in the, in the place where we had um, pasta and he, I heard him, you know, it's a small little place. Nothing's really big like over here. Yeah. Tiny yeah. little pubs, you know, and, and um, which is cool. Um, and 
She goes, would you like a baked potato with that? And he goes, well, I think I'm spaghetti. I have enough carbs there. Like, they just throw the baked potatoes down your throat. Uh, they just fall in love with them after the fat, you know. Uh, the, the famine? The famine, you know. And uh, yeah. <laughs> so we come back in 2007. Totally different. Everything tasted great. Um, great uh, salmon. I had great salmon. The food, somehow the culinary uh, <laughs> level level had just risen. Sure. Know? And um, it was um, great. Um, obviously, the Guinness over there is fantastic, yeah. you know. Yeah. But I found uh, it odd that, you know, we'd go to a little pub and the younger crowd would order a Budweiser. I'm like, what do you- Import. Yeah. 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 I was just like, you guys are nuts, you know. Um but I, it was cool there, just to go off on a side note here, that, you know, um, everything over there that I've learned in Europe, work and money and everything's not the important thing. Mm. Your family and your friends are. So when you over, if you ever get a chance to go over to Ireland, be in the pub around 3.30, anytime. And there's three or four guys playing mandolin and, you know, drinking pints and everybody's part. Because by nine o'clock, it's over with. Yeah. Yeah. Everything shuts there's down no, at 10. There's no like real night Party life. time yeah. is, yeah, there is no. And I found that really cool, you know. Um, wow. Because then, you know, you have a couple of drinks, walk back to your hotel, you get up and do it again, you know, do whatever you're doing the next day. So um, uh, I like that about, you know, over here, it's like, what, 11 o'clock, people go out and stay out till whatever. And it's a different vibe. Sure. Okay. Um, If you only had two questions to ask someone to get the most information about who they were. What would you ask? What are your religious beliefs? What are your political views? Yeah. Yeah, I think that would... Yeah, that's about right, actually. Probably tell you the most about that person. I mean, you you know, it, it would let you know... Uh, like where they ground their beliefs from. It might not tell you like what their favorite movie or food is, but those are some It might tell you pretty quickly, I don't like this dude. Or, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. Or me and this, or. Which movie do you think, which movie that everyone says is good do you think is actually overrated? Citizen Kane. Really? It's terrible. It's about a sled. Yeah. <laughs> Rosebud is a fucking sled. <laughs> I don't know why everybody says that's the best movie ever made. I don't they know don't. why either. That's a, that's hilarious. They got to the end and go, that's it? Oh my gosh. Uh yeah. Mine's Titanic. Oh, I really? fucking hate that movie. Okay. I, I think I think it is the dialogue is awful. It's incredibly long and the for for nothing that nothing of import about the first the first when I began watching it when I was a kid, it was on VHS tapes. So you had two VHS tapes. Oh, wow. Because it was so long, it wouldn't fit on one tape. So it came in a dual tape set. And I would just put in the second half of the tape to watch the end of the movie. Because that's the only good part. That's when they actually really go down. That's when they you discover the 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 realness of the story. You, you like you you watch the tragedy happen, you know, and then it, like 
Yeah, that's the only good. But it's only the filmmaking that makes it good. And they even fucked up the sky in that movie. Um, that's that's my that's opinion. Your, yeah, I, I just think that. It's, I just think it's 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 awful. They made it a love, st- you know. They made it a love story, and that uh, well, apparently, appealed to a lot of people. That you know. Yeah. Yeah. It, oh, uh, yeah. Sure. Of course, it appealed to him. Well, yes. Yeah, a lot. Citizen Kane appealed to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those yeah. are probably people I wouldn't hang out with. Maybe that'd be the first thing you ask yeah. somebody. Do you like Citizen Kane? What is your? Do you think Citizen Kane's the best movie ever? And they, oh, they even okay. Next, if they went, I've never heard of it. You're like, okay, let's. Okay, you and I can. Yeah, you and I can hang. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay, that's that's good. Um, who would you most like to sit next to on a ten hour flight, and why? I can answer that with Selma Hayek. <laughs> I don't yeah. think I have to answer why. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's actually a yep. Yeah, that fits you perfectly, Mark. That fits you perfectly. Okay. Um. Hmm. Ice cream or snow cones? Ice cream. Uh, iced coffee or hot coffee? Neither. No coffee. Coffee or tea? Well, I guess you'd say tea then. Tea. Yeah. Um. TV or book? Book. Uh, movies at home or movies out at a theater? Man, with technology today, movies at home are awesome. Yeah, you can. And pause. you get sand. You get you know um, surround sound and stuff. And now that the TVs are you know larger than life, and um, I prefer to do that now. What's a good movie that you see or seen recently? Uh shoot. Um, or TV show for that matter. Boy, that's so tough. Somebody, um, we went to see the Batman at the theater. How was that, Robert um, Pattinson? Yeah. Okay. I'm. A, I'm. Batman was, you know, one of the favorite shows when I was a kid. It was, you know, yeah. back when it came out. Obviously, it was hit towards my target age, I guess. You know, and you know when they did the first round with uh, Tim Burton, Keaton, and Keaton, yeah. like what? Michael Keaton? He doesn't. No way. I watched them. Uh, you know they're okay. Christopher Nolan did. Yeah, freaking those three are are great. Yeah, the new one. Okay, I you know didn't really know the whole story of what they were going to follow. I knew that you know the, a couple of the villains that were in it. Um, very dark. Reminded me of Seven mm. a little bit because it's just raining and dark all the time. And then Gotham. That's the well, period that's, of it too. Well, yeah. that's that's one of the things I heard that was a nice remark is they actually made Gotham like seem like the dangerous Gotham that was yeah. portrayed. I thought it, it it was a little long in the tooth, but it had to be if they're going to do two more. Mm-hmm. They're telling a little more of a backstory. So, um, but one that um, Je- my wife and I, Jennifer, both loved was Coda. Oh, was it good? Awesome. I was so glad to see that it won. Yeah. Wow. I, I really took me by, we, and we watched it at home. You know, um, uh, it was great. It's t- different, totally different. Yeah, you know, it, you know Coda, um, Children of um, Deaf Adults, right? And it, it's also a, a musical. You know, the end of a musical suite or a piece. So yeah, the girl sings in it. So it kind of has a, a really great meaning behind that and everything. And um, yeah, really enjoyed it because it was something different. There's just so much stuff. Like, oh, I've seen this before. Five minutes into it, you know who yeah. did it, or like, eh, right. 
Cool. Cool. Okay. Um, winter or summer? Winter or summer? Summer. <clears throat> uh, ninjas or pirates? <laughs> pirates. <laughs> Fuck yeah. That's right. Okay. Um, <clears throat> would you rather have a dog with a cat's personality or a cat with a dog's personality? Well, um, a dog with a cat's personality. As long as the dog goes outside to use the restroom, yes. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's it does what cats do, man. It's just it's just in a dog body. It's a cat in a dog's body. Hmm. Yeah, I'll stick with that. <laughs> so, <laughs> whenever I think of this question, uh, I've pon- I've had quite some time with this question. I just always imagine that cat trying to climb a tree for the first time in a dog's body. <laughs> Depending on the size of the dog, right? Yeah. <laughs> Try to climb a tree. Do anything that cats do, you know? Yeah. Sleep all day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, where are we at here? Oh, we're just cruising right along. Look at that. Okay. Um, would you rather have no taste buds or be colorblind? Wow. Uh, neither, if I could say. Yeah, one or the other. Uh, would you rather? No taste buds, I guess. Go tasteless with all foods and everything for the rest of ever so you could still see color. Yeah. That's interesting. I know. Let's hope it doesn't huh. come true. But. Well, no, f- yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Um, Having been tasteless for months and months and months on in after COVID, um, it was miserable. Food became just all only texture. There was nothing left to it. It was just mouthfeel. All experience was just like you weren't getting the the the, the brain stimul- stimulation of the sensory input. It was literally just feeling inside my mouth, and it was fucking weird. It it changed food. Yeah, now that you put that perspective on it. Like, I could I, walk around. I made the decision, so yeah, I no, that's, I stick with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> would you rather look like a fish or smell like a fish? <laughs> I think that's an easy one. Look like a fish. Yeah. You'd still smell completely fine, just look weird. God, yeah, that's, that's where I am, too. Okay. Um, all right, I'm done with that. That was enough good questions. So I want to do one more thing. On my last episode of my podcast that I just released yesterday, um, this will go out in a few days from now, um, I discovered this wonderful program. Uh, it's an AI, uh, and it's a text generator. And so you can input. It's it's a DeepMind AI. It's read every th- – like it, it, it's been input with – it's part of DeepMind – like the company DeepMind that did the 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 Go, uh, the the chess the AI chess that beat every AI thing the AI Go that uh, invented new moves to Go that had never been like there's a lot of cool stuff happening with DeepMind and so this is part of that and um, it's a text generator and so you can ask it questions you can put anything into it that you want start a sentence and let it finish it and it will just use AI to try to give you par- something 
Um, and last episode, we've messed around with it, and it created some of the weirdest and funniest things because it's trying to be a human here. It's trying to think. And so I want you to give me a phrase. A qu- you can ask any question. Give me a phrase. Give me something how- to prompt this AI, and it will finish it for us. What is the end game for the human race? That's dark. I like that. What is end game? What is the end game for the human race? All right. I'm going to submit that. It's processing. All right. This is what it said. So I take this copy and I put it into the speech generator. Okay, here is what our, um, here's what she sounds like. Here's what the AI said. What is the end game for the human race? We shall see. In the book that follows, a clockwork orange tells an in-depth account of the rise of fascism and modern society's rise as a whole within the context of the modern age since the 1930s. Following on from the novel, a number of different authors describe fascism and discuss the possibility of normal life, what we can expect from it, how to deal with it, and how to survive. Following on from A Clockwork Orange in part because of its significance, A Clockwork Orange also serves as a perfect primer on where the present human race goes from here. What's next? A Clockwork Orange is the fourth in a series by some of the world's best philosophers of the 19th century that aims to give a sense of human potential and what's possible for us to achieve. It follows the author's journey from anarchist-slash-Marxist to anarchist-philosopher, writing an exhaustive account of social and political processes of modern time, and also examining how many ideas could have been expressed by the early writers. What is it about all of this? As we know, the 20th century has brought us a fair amount of problems. In the early 20th century, anarchists and syndicalists and their supporters were trying to take forward their beliefs in order to gain political legitimacy and to establish themselves as a legitimate political movement. Even though this was far and away the most powerful movement of the 20th century, (laughs) Uh, wow so that's what the AI thought hmm didn't really answer the question didn't no it just said we shall see and then wanted to tell us about uh, fascism and yeah yeah Yeah, weird okay I'm gonna I'm gonna ask it something I'm gonna say um, uh, what is the coolest hmm I'm trying to think like what what is um okay what is so cool about birds let's see what it says what's so cool about birds all right let me see if it does it now what is so cool about birds why does the name bird in this article change to a bird with an egg in an article entitled what the heck is the bird The author says bird's new egg becomes the perfect symbol of the we-are-all-here concept we use to describe the term. 
and as it grows, it starts to represent what we see on the outside of the bird. We saw a lot of birds come together in this way. The egg was symbolized by this picture of a black-haired lady with red hair. The bird just kind of disappeared. All of a sudden, birds are everywhere. This isn't the bird we saw on the street. As we all know, the first thing we see while shopping when we are shopping for dinner is our beloved bird. It's usually a black-haired girl. As if we have finally seen what we've always imagined. What the, the perfect, yet completely empty, feeling of the bird of the same name. The most impressive thing is that the most beautiful and beautiful bird I've ever seen was called Bird Eye Stitch Egg. Or Bird Eye Sleeve. The most beautiful bird I've ever seen was called bird eye eyeliner. Where you can see the eyes themselves. This is an opinion piece. And one might have considered it a commentary. But even if you do think the word bird seems. Yeah. That's what these things, they try to be human. <clears throat> Failing miserably. Failing. Well, that... That shows with all of the power and all of everything um, that they can do with it still can't replicate human thought. It can't replicate cogent thoughts. Right. You know, it, 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 it's funny. Yeah. We had uh, that thing. It, 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 you can mess around with it quite a bit and it, um, it will create some incredibly weird. It, it, it tries to tell story like, It'll try to tell a story like a novel sometimes. You can ask it something or start something and it will like make it seem like it's trying to write a book. And so it'll, it, but it, none of it follows. It's all non sequiturs and makes me think of Citizen Kane. <laughs> it's all about a, a damn sled. It just what the fuck was all that about? Yeah. All right. Well, hey, man, thanks for hanging. Oh, <clears throat> my pleasure. Um, we have our first band practice next Tuesday, or this coming Tuesday, like three days from now. Yes. Uh, since September. I can't wait. Uh, hopefully your finger's good. Oh, yeah. You feel ready? Yeah. Good. Matt, you're out there. <laughs> yeah, Matt. You better be ready. You better bring it. <laughs> yeah. I kind of, you know... Brush up on some of the, well, now it now it seems like old stuff and it's <laughs> been released yet, you know, and I know. we're finished, but uh, brush up on some of that and then um, start the new adventure. Yeah, man. I'm stoked. Well, thanks for hanging with me today. Thank, it was a fun conversation, man. Yeah. Uh, talking My some pleasure. shit and getting to learn yeah. a little more about you, man. It was good. Listen to a good album or a good song anyway. Right Classic on. Classic music. All right. Well, well for, yeah, no problem. For everybody out there, uh, I hope you have a good week. Um, you know, all of the nice things that one says to the other, to each other, like, uh, uh, don't stick your finger in light sockets or, um, run with scissors. Yeah. Don't run with scissors. Um, I would say, uh, hmm, don't, don't stick your fingers in the peanut butter jar. If other people plan on using the peanut butter jar, um, you can drink from the milk carton, but no one can be looking. Um. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Drive it like you stole it. Ah, uh, drive it.
Drive like you know each other. <laughs>